0: Echa While uh, the previous Perakim are clearly a reaction to the destruction and the exile, Echa is a little bit different. It is the thoughts of uh, an observer who is in Yerushalayim during the time of the siege. So the vast majority of the Perek actually takes place in the midst of the siege before the destruction of Yerushalayim. A few psukim at the end, as we will see, discuss the reaction of the observer after the enemies burst through the gates of Yerushalayim. But most of the observation here is in the midst of the siege. Thematically, what we see in the Perek is basically a portrait of national degradation. Everything beautiful, has been sullied, has been destroyed, things of priceless value are treated as if they are worthless, people are starving in the streets, the kohanim and the nevi'im, who were uh, the pinnacle of religious observance, or should have been the pinnacle of religious observance during, uh, during better times, are now accused by the mekonen and even by the lay people in the streets of Yerushalayim as being the cause of the death and destruction that is currently being wreaked on Yerushalayim in the middle of the siege. The panic until the last few pesukim is conveyed through the eyes of a uh, third-party observer. So there's this, uh, almost we're almost as an audience where voyeur is watching in horror the sequence of events as they unfold. And the picture that we see is basically uh, the end, the abrogation of all that's normal in society. Uh, everything basically uh, reverses. Or the the fortunes of the people reverse from normalcy to the ravages of famine and war. From a structural perspective, the Pedic goes back to the a similar structure of Pedic Aleph and Bet, where we have a typical acrostic structure. Every pasuk is one letter in the alphabet. Though we will see these pesukim are a little bit shorter than the pesukim in Perik Aleph and Bet, but longer than the, uh, the the very short, succinct pesukim of the previous Perik. Pasuk Aleph: HaTov Tishtapehna Abnei Kodesh Berosh Kol Like the first two Perakim uh, in the Megillah. This pedic starts with Echa, the lonely cry of how is it possible that something like this could come to pass. And the question here is, how can the gold be dulled? The purest gold, haketem hatov, the purest gold uh, has lost its luster. That's the word yishne, losing its luster. Pechna of nekodesh, the holy gems are spilled all over the place, berosh kolchotot, at every street corner. There's a lot of symbolism in this Pasuk. The mention of Zahav and Ketem Atov and Avnei Kodesh clearly evoke uh, the Mikdash structure, which we know was filled with Zahav and Avnei Kodesh. And the precious things that are normally kept secure and private are now uh, poured out at every street corner, dumped in public places. Pasuk bit. The precious people of Zion, worth more than fine gold. Rashi explains, They are worth as much or worth more than paz, than fine gold. How are they now valued as, as mere pieces of pottery? The work of a potter's hand. And here in Pasuk Bet, the images of Pasuk Aleph, the gold and the precious stones, are almost retroactively infused with uh, metaphoric symbolism for the people of Yerushalayim. These are the people of Yerushalayim who are worth more than gold. Uh, How have they become so downtrodden? They are now like cheap throwaway pieces of, uh, of pottery. And the statement of Ma'asei Yedei Yoser is not simply a coincidence. It is meant to evoke God, who is the Yotzer of both the world and Klal Yisrael. Pasuk Gimel, Gam Tanim Heniku Gurehin. Even jackals, which uh, she explains are a uh, cruel and merciless animal, even jackals offer their breast to nurse their young. In contrast to the jackals, my poor people has turned, or they seem cruel, like ostriches of the desert. And at that time, in ancient times, ostriches were believed to have abandoned their eggs. And here you have the image of the mothers of Yerushalayim uh, not feeding their own children. And the Comparison to jackals and ostriches is not coincidental. We see this in other places in Tanakh, namely Yesha'ya uh, Pereklamid Dalet, Pasuk Yud-Gimel Jackals and ostriches are uh, are imagined to dwell over um, ruined areas. The Pasuk over there says It shall be a home for jackals and abode of ostriches And over there, Yeshayah is talking about, or prophesying about the destruction. Pasuk Dared, this is the result of the mothers not being able to feed their children. The baby's tongue stuck to his palate from thirst. Little children begged for bread, but no one can give them a crumb. The Ibn Ezra here comment on the word pores, and he says, v'hu pat lehem pituta, small piece of bread, which is why I translate here as crumb. Pasuk he, lema'adanim nashamu bachutzot, those used to feasting on delicacies, they starved in the streets. ha-emunim ale tola'ah himbeku ashpatot. ale were those who were raised in crimson, the wealthy who grew up in, in fancy clothes, so to speak, they have now been reduced to embracing heaps of garbage. So in the last two pesukim, what you have is a picture of dire starvation and an, a total reversal in the standard, standard of living of, of those who used to live in the highest luxury and they are now, they are now wandering around in piles of garbage. My dear people's punishment or sin, Avon can be used interchangeably as punishment or sin, and here uh, here it's purposely used as both. The punishment, the sin of my people, has grown larger even than the sin and the punishment of Sedom. And how is that? kemoraga velo Sedom was overthrown in a moment, God destroyed it in a moment, and no hands were raised against it. So whereas Sedom was ne'pach immediately, Yerushalayim had to suffer a protracted siege before being destroyed, and many enemies uh, attacked it on the way. And so the mekonen is suggesting that in fact, both the sin and the punishment of Yerushalayim must have been worse than that of Sedom, which was at least spared the torture. Her nobles had been brighter than snow, whiter than milk. mipeninim sapir gizratam. Their bones or their limbs were even more red than coral. Their bodies were like sapphire. And the image that we're supposed to uh, to take in over here was that the nobles of Jerusalem, the white and the red, represent uh, life. They represent good health, uh, radiant health perhaps. And the nobles used to have these colors, the white and the red. Their bodies were strong like sapphire. But now, Pasuk taoram, Their features grew darker than black. There's now no more color left in contrast to the white and the red of the previous Pasuk. They were unrecognizable in the streets. Their skin shriveled on their bones, it became as dry as wood. And so the radiance and life and strength of the previous Pasuk have now decayed into blackened uh, uh, dry wood. Pasuk Better off were those who were killed by the sword than those who were killed by starvation, by the famine. Those who were killed by famine bled slowly, they bleed slowly, they're stabbed by the lack of produce from the field. The hands of caring women, they cooked their children. That became their sustenance in the collapse of my dear people. And these two Pesukim, Pesuk Tet and Pesuk Yod, are the climactic summary of the terrible conditions, the starvation, the death, the dirt and filth in the streets of uh, Yerushalayim in the midst of the siege before the destruction of the Mikdash. In the next few Pesukim, as uh, in the previous Perek, though though not as philosophically as in the previous Perek, there's a bit of a theological interlude as the Mikonin is now going to Refer to Hakadosh Baruch Hu and the justice for the sins that Yehuda committed, and how much of what is going on right now is the result of the sins of Yehuda. Pasuk Kila Adonai Et Shafach Haron Apo Hashem brought his wrath to its peak. He poured out. He poured out his uh, boiling hot anger. <speaking in Hebrew> And he kindled a fire in Zion, and he consumed its foundations. And here, as we've seen in previous Pirakim, the direct cause for the carnage is HaKadosh Baruch It's not the enemies that actually brought down Yerushalayim. God is the direct cause of what's going on right now in Yerushalayim. Pasuk Yudbet, Lo kol ki the earthly kings could not believe, nor any of the world's inhabitants, none of them could believe that the enemy and the foe could enter the gates of Yerushalayim. Pasuk Yudgimen, and what is the reason that uh, the Oyevim were able to enter the gates of sadikim, On account of the sins of her prophets and the evil deeds of her Kohanim, who shed in her midst, in Jerusalem's midst, the blood of the righteous? And of course, there's more than a hint of irony in these two pesukim. In pasuk Yudbet, the Melachim can't believe that the enemy is in the gates of Jerusalem. In contrast to Tehilim Memhet, where uh, which we read, which we say every Monday morning, and over there hine Melachim No'adu. Over there the kings are also stunned, but they're they're stunned at the strength and beauty of Yerushalayim. Here they are stunned at the downfall of Yerushalayim. In Pasuk Yud-Gimel, the irony is that the Kohanim and Nevi'im are the leaders who are supposed to be spreading the Torah. They are supposed to reveal the word of God. And instead, the sin of shefichut Damim is attributed to them. And although they may not be directly the ones who were shedding blood, they're clearly blamed for allowing the blood to be shed in the uh, territory of the city. The Kohanim and the Nevi'im, they wandered blindly through the streets that were sullied with blood. The Kohanim and the Nevi'im are so uh, uh, besmirched with blood that no one was permitted to touch their clothing. <inaudible> no one can touch their clothing that is filled with uh, the blood that is on their hands. Just a side point here: the Targum translates uh, <inaudible> as "Itanefu bedam ketolin beharba," that the blood that we're referring to here is the blood of those killed. Uh, in war, killed by the sword in war. And it's almost as if, according to the Targum, at least, that Nimekonen is blaming the Kohanim and the Nevi'im of Yehuda for the destruction that is now coming upon the people of Yerushalayim, for the death that is coming upon them. Pasuk Tetvav, Suru Tame Kare'u Suru Suru altigau. Get away, impure, people shout about the kohanim and nevi'im. Get away, get away, do not touch them. As the kohanim and nevi'im, natsu gamna'u, they wander aimlessly. And there's more irony over here, whereas the lay people who normally come to the kohanim when uh, they are tame are now calling out the kohanim as, uh, as tameh and saying suru suru, telling the public, don't come close to these people who are filled with innocent blood, who are impure themselves, morally impure, uh, with the blood of other people on their hands, and on their clothing. Ameru bagoyim lo The same lay people in the streets, uh, we are to imagine the same people who called out the kohanim and the nevi'im, they also say, bagoyim <laughs> lo Because of the... Sin of the Kohanim and Nevi'im. Now the entirety of Yehuda can no longer dwell among the nations. Pasuk Tetzain Pene Adonai Hilakam Lo Yosif Himself, the, the the face of Hashem K'vi'achol, which is to say, Hashem Himself has scattered them. Has scattered the people of Yehuda. He no longer looks after them. Pene kohanim Lo Nasau Uskenim Lo hananu. The subject of this part of the Pasuk is not 100% clear. Someone is, lo the the panim of the kohanim, is not showing the kohanim deference, and they are not showing any favor to the zikanim, to the elders. It's unclear if we're talking about the uh, overall populace in Yerushalayim during the time of the siege, who because of the terrible conditions no longer care about showing the kohanim and zikanim any respect, or whether this is talking about the enemies after they've already uh, already come into the gates of Yerushalayim, whether they are not the ones who are showing the kohanim and zikanim any, def- any, any deference at all. Either way, what you have over here is a midah ke just like the sin is the fault of the kohanim and the nevi'im, Uh, and maybe by implication the Zekanim. In this Pasuk Hashem turns his head away from Yehuda and the people who are no longer shown any respect are those same Kohanim and Zekanim. The next few Pasukim talk about the denouement of the siege and what happens when the enemies actually break through the gates of Yerushalayim and what they do to the people of Yerushalayim. Pasuk Yudzayin still in the midst of the siege, Odenu in the midst of our eyes wearing out, searching for help, for nothing. As we watched and watched for a nation that did not come and save us. Ironically, the people of Yerushalayim are not waiting for Hashem to save them, they're waiting for one of the allied nations to come and save them in the midst of the siege. They keep searching and searching and waiting for one of the nations to come and save them. And Pasuk Yudhet is clearly already once the enemies have burst into Yerushalayim. Sadu sa'adenu They hunted or stalked our steps so that we could not walk in our own streets. Karab kisenu. Our end drew near. Mareu yamenu. Our time ran out. For our end has come. And these are clearly the thoughts of the Mekonen as the enemy is chasing uh, the, uh, the victims in the streets of Yerushalayim. Pasuk Kalim hayu min Swifter were our pursuers than the eagles in the sky. On the mountains they chased us, in the wilderness they ambushed us. So even those who were able to escape Yerushalayim unharmed, the enemy chased them outside the city, in the mountains and in the wilderness. Pasuk khaf, the end of that, Ruach Apenu Mashiach Adonai Nirkad Kad The breath of our life, the Mashiach of Hashem, the King, and of course here, the uh, not of course, but probably the text is referring to Tzitkiyah, who was the king at the time, he is caught in their traps. This is the one about whom we said, in his shade, in his tsel, under his protection, we will live among the nations. At least, it seems that Bnei Israel in Yehuda thought that in exile, uh, they would live in the shade, so to speak, of Tzitkiyah. And of course, we know that the story of Tzitkiyah is that once the enemies... Uh, destroyed Yerushalayim, Titkiah escapes, but he ends up being caught near Yericho, his children are executed in front of his eyes, and he is led in chains to Bavel after his eyes are gouged out. So Titkiya is physically maimed, and uh, the dynasty, the Bet David, is lost because of the death of his heirs in front of his eyes. It's interesting that when this story is told to us in Melachim, it actually ends on a positive note, with Jehoiachin being alive and well in Bavel being accorded uh, royal privileges. But over here in Echa, as we've remarked upon several times, there is almost no happy ending. And the ending of the siege in this panic is that Mashiach Hashem is caught and captured and the dream of Bet David is destroyed. The parak now ends with the mekonin addressing his enemies, almost like in the last parak. Over there, he addresses them in third person. Over here, he addresses them directly. Pasuk chafadef, sisi edom yoshevet ve'eres Rejoice and be glad, dear Edom, who dwells now in the land of Rus. But watch out, ki gam to you too will come the cup, and you will get drunk and bear yourself. The cup referred to here is the cup of Hakadosh Baruch Hu's wrath, which we see referred to many times in Yermiah, uh, in Yeshaya, in Tehilim, in Yiskel, and the result of you, Edom, the enemy personified, drinking the cup of Hashem's wrath will be uh, the same sort of nakedness and deprecation that Israel suffered. And the end result will be Pasuk lehaglotech. Your punishment is complete, dear Tzion, Hashem will not keep you exiled any longer. The Lehaglot could be a play on words over here, just like uh, Edom is going to be laid bare in the previous pasuk. Gale can also mean uh to to be laid bare and just like uh, just like Edom will be embarrassed in its nakedness, hakadosh baruchu will no longer bear the nakedness of dear Zion. Of course the peshat is discussing the exile, The is to is you will not you'll no longer be in exile. Pakad avonech bat Edom Gila al hatotaych. Hashem, in the end of the day, the end result will be that He will attend to your punishment and to your sins, dear Edom. He will expose your evil doings. The ending here, similar to the ending of the previous perek of Perek Gimel, in that Zion and Yehuda will be redeemed. And the enemy will be punished, but not punished through sheer vengefulness, punished because of their wrongdoing, because of a just God taking out uh, his wrath on those who deserve it.